Section twenty five of Modeste Mignon by Henri de Balzac, translated by Catherine Prescott Warmly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section twenty five of Modeste Mignon by Henri de Balzac. Chapter twenty five a diplomatic letter the poet's reflections during the night were thoroughly matter-of-fact he sincerely saw nothing worse in life than the situation of a married man without money still trembling at the danger he had been led into by his vanity his desire to get the better of the duke and his belief in the mignon millions he began to ask himself what the duchess must be thinking of his stay in havre aggravated by the fact that he had not written to her for fourteen days whereas in paris they exchanged four or five letters a week and that poor woman is working hard to get me appointed commander of the legion and ambassador to the court of baden he cried thereupon with that promptitude of decision which results in poets as well as in speculators from a lively intuition of the future he sat down and composed the following letter to madame la duchesse de chaloux my dear eleanor you have doubtless been surprised at not hearing from me but the stay i am making in this place is not altogether on account of my health i have been trying to do a good turn to our little friend la bruyere the poor fellow has fallen in love with a certain mademoiselle modeste de la bastille a rather pale insignificant and threadpapery little thing who by the way has the vice of liking literature and calls herself a poet to excuse the caprices and humours of a rather sullen nature you know ernest he is so easy to catch that i have been afraid to leave him to himself mademoiselle de la bastille was inclined to coquette with your melchior and was only too ready to become your rival though her arms are thin and she has no more bust than most girls moreover her hair is as dead and colourless as that of madame de rochefide and her eyes small grey and very suspicious i put a stop perhaps rather brutally to the attentions of mademoiselle immodeste but love such as mine for you demanded it what care i for all the women on earth compared to you what are they the people with whom i pass my time and who form the circle round the heiress are so thoroughly bourgeois that they almost turn my stomach pity me imagine i pass my evenings with notaries notaresses cashiers provincial money-lenders ah what a change from my evenings in the rue de grenelle the alleged fortune of the father lately returned from china has brought to havre that indefatigable suitor the grand equerry hungry after the millions which he wants they say to drain his marshes the king does not know what a fatal present he made the duke in those wastelands his grace who has not yet found out that the lady had only a small fortune is jealous of me for la bruyere is quietly making progress with his idol under cover of his friend who serves as a blind notwithstanding ernest's romantic ecstasies i myself a poet think chiefly of the essential thing and i have been making some inquiries which darken the prospects of our friend 
if my angel would like absolution for some of our little sins she will try to find out the facts of the case by sending for mongenaud the banker and questioning him with the dexterity that characterizes her as to the father's fortune monsieur mignon formerly colonel of cavalry in the imperial guard has been for the last seven years a correspondent of the mongenauds it is said that he gives his daughter a dot of two hundred thousand francs and before i make the offer on ernest's behalf i am anxious to get the rights of the story as soon as the affair is arranged i shall return to paris i know a way to settle everything to the advantage of our young lover simply by the transmission of the father-in-law's title and no one i think can more readily obtain that favour than ernest both on account of his own services and the influence which you and i and the duke can exert for him with his tastes ernest who of course will step into my office when i go to baden will be perfectly happy in paris with twenty-five thousand francs a year a permanent place and a wife luckless fellow ah dearest how i long for the rue de grenelle fifteen days of absence when they do not kill love they revive all the ardour of its earlier days and you know better than i perhaps the reasons that make my love eternal my bones will love thee in the grave ah i cannot bear this separation if i am forced to stay here another ten days i shall make a flying visit of a few hours to paris has the duke obtained for me the thing we wanted and shall you my dearest life be ordered to drink the baden waters next year the billing and cooing of the handsome disconsolate compared with the accents of our happy love so true and changeless for now ten years have given me a great contempt for marriage i had never seen the thing so near ah dearest what the world calls a false step brings two beings nearer together than the law does it not the concluding idea served as a text for two pages of reminiscences and aspirations a little too confidential for publication the evening before the day on which canalis put the above epistle into the post butcha under the name of jean jacquemin had received a letter from his fictitious cousin philoxene and had mailed his answer which thus preceded the letter of the poet by about twelve hours terribly anxious for the last two weeks and wounded by melchior's silence the duchess herself dictated philoxene's letter to her cousin and the moment she had read the answer rather too explicit for her quinquagenary vanity she sent for the banker and made close inquiries as to the exact fortune of monsieur mignon finding herself betrayed and abandoned for the millions eleanor gave way to a paroxysm of anger hatred and cold vindictiveness philoxene knocked at the door of the sumptuous room and entering found her mistress with her eyes full of tears so unprecedented a phenomenon in the fifteen years she had waited upon her that the woman stopped short stupefied we expiated the happiness of ten years in ten minutes she heard the duchess say a letter from havre madame eleanor read the poet's prose without noticing the presence of philoxene whose amazement became still greater when she saw the dawn of fresh serenity on the duchess's face as she read further and further into the letter hold out a pole no thicker than a walking-stick to a drowning man and he will think it a high road of safety the happy eleanor believed in canalis's good faith when she had read through the four pages in which love and business falsehood and truth jostled each other 
she who a few moments earlier had sent for her husband to prevent melchior's appointment while there was still time was now seized with a spirit of generosity that amounted almost to the sublime poor fellow she thought he has not had one faithless thought he loves me as he did on the first day he tells me all philoxene she cried noticing her maid who was standing near and pretending to arrange the toilet table madame la duchesse a mirror child eleanor looked at herself saw the fine razor-like lines traced on her brow which disappeared at a little distance she sighed and in that sigh she felt she bade adieu to love a brave thought came into her mind a manly thought outside of all the pettiness of women a thought which intoxicates for a moment and which explains perhaps the clemency of the semiramis of russia when she married her young and beautiful rival to momonoff since he has not been faithless he shall have the girl and her millions she thought provided mademoiselle mignon is as ugly as he says she is three raps circumspectly given announced the duke and his wife went herself to the door to let him in ah i see you are better my dear he cried with the counterfeit joy that courtiers assume so readily and by which fools are readily taken in my dear henri she answered why is it you have not yet obtained that appointment for melchior you who sacrificed so much to the king in taking a ministry which you knew could only last one year the duke glanced at philoxene who showed him by an almost imperceptible sign the letter from havre on the dressing-table you would be terribly bored at baden and come back with daggers drawn with melchior said the duke pray why why you would always be together said the former diplomat with comic good-humour oh no she said i am going to marry him if we can believe de Haraville, our dear canalis stands in no need of your help in that direction said the duke smiling yesterday grand lieu read me some passages from a letter the grand equerry had written him no doubt they were dictated by the aunt for the express purpose of their reaching you for mademoiselle de Haraville, always on the scent of a dot knows that grand lieu and i play whist nearly every evening that good little de Haraville wants the prince de cadignan to go down and give a royal hunt in normandy and endeavour to persuade the king to be present so as to turn the head of the damoiselle when she sees herself the object of such a grand affair in short two words from charles x would settle the matter de Haraville says the girl has incomparable beauty henri let us go to havre cried the duchess interrupting him under what pretext said her husband gravely he was one of the confidants of louis the eighteenth i never saw a hunt it would be all very well if the king went but it is a terrible bore to go so far and he will not do it i have just been speaking with him about it perhaps madame would go that would be better returned the duke i dare say the duchess de malfrigno would help you to persuade her from rosny if she goes the king will not be displeased at the use of his hunting equipage don't go to havre my dear added the duke paternally that would be giving yourself away come here's a better plan i think gaspard's chateau of rosembray is on the other side of the forest of breton why not give him a hint to invite the whole party he invite them said eleanor i mean of course the duchess she is always engaged in pious works with mademoiselle de Haraville. give that old maid a hint and get her to speak to gaspard you are a love of a man cried eleanor i'll write to the old maid and to diane at once for we must get hunting things made a riding hat is so becoming did you win last night at the english embassy 
yes said the duke i cleared myself henri above all things stop proceedings about melchior's two appointments after writing half a dozen lines to the beautiful diane de maffrigny and a short hint to mademoiselle de harville eleanor sent the following answer like the lash of a whip through the poet's lies to monsieur le baron de canalis my dear poet mademoiselle de la bastille is very beautiful mongenot has provided to me that her father has millions i did think of marrying you to her i am therefore much displeased at your want of confidence if you had any intention of marrying la briere when you went to la havre it is surprising that you said nothing to me about it before you started and why have you omitted writing to a friend who is so easily made anxious as i your letter arrived a trifle late i have already seen the banker you are a child melchior and you are playing tricks with us it is not right the duke himself is quite indignant at your proceedings he thinks you less than a gentleman which casts some reflections on your mother's honour now i intend to see things for myself i shall i believe have the honour of accompanying madame to the hunt which the duke de harville proposes to give for mademoiselle de la bastille i will manage to have you invited to rosenbray for the meet will probably take place in duc de verneuil's park pray believe my dear poet that i am none the less for life your friend eleanor de m there ernest just look at that cried canalise tossing the letter at ernest's nose across the breakfast-table that's the two thousandth love-letter i have had from that woman and there isn't even a thou in it the illustrious eleanor has never compromised herself more than she does there marry and try your luck the worst marriage in the world is better than this sort of halter ah i am the greatest nicodemus that ever tumbled out of the moon modeste has millions and i've lost her for we can't get back from the poles where we are to-day to the tropics where we were three days ago well i am all the more anxious for your triumph over the grand equerry because i told the duchess i came here only for your sake and so i shall do my best for you alas melchior modeste must needs have so noble so grand so well balanced a nature to resist the glories of the court and all these splendours cleverly displayed for her honour and glory by the duke that i cannot believe in the existence of such perfection and yet if she is still the modeste of her letters there might be hope well well you are a happy fellow you young boniface to see the world and your mistress through green spectacles cried canalis marching off to pace up and down the garden caught between two lies the poet was at a loss what to do play by rule and you lose he cried presently sitting down in the kiosk every man of sense would have acted as i did four days ago and got himself out of the net in which i saw myself at such times people don't disentangle nets they break through them come let us be calm cold dignified affronted honour requires it english stiffness is the only way to win her back after all if i have to retire finally i can always fall back on my old happiness a fidelity of ten years can't go unrewarded eleanor will arrange me some good marriage end of section twenty five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com